Well, I'm Alex Schiffer. This is Vahe Gregorian as he crouches in. Uh, we're in the coach's box at Furrow Field and fresh off a weird, disappointing 43-29 Mizzou loss to Georgia. I'd say uh, a hard game to get your arms around, just uh, as, as uh, at least I struggled to try to put it together. Um, and, and multifaceted and yet just just strange. I, and uh, the lead I just used to what I wrote is that Missouri is like a living, breathing Rorschach test. Like you can you can take what you want to from this game. It really depends on how you see the program. Yeah. Um, because you can certainly feel encouraged by some things that happened today but absolutely can be distressed by some things you saw. It's it's amazing. It almost I feel like the game was turned on its head where everyone thought the conversation was going to be about Mizzou's defense given how bad it looked against Purdue, and yet the topic of conversation was how bad Missouri's offense looked, and it really was kind of a trickle-down effect. I mean, the offensive line didn't really do a ton for Drew Locke. The receivers had absolutely no separation on the secondary and they really – I think I've never seen in Drew Locke's entire career Missouri throw over the middle in short yard packages more than they did today. I mean, they really relied on the tight ends and their running backs to move them downfield, and they just got nothing outside. They got nothing outside. They got nothing downfield. And at some point, you, know, you take Barry uh, at his word. We'd have to look back at uh, – you know, slow, slow it down and look back at some film to see – what it was that kept Missouri from going downfield. Barry uh, seemed to suggest that the defensive alignment was such and that Georgia's defensive quality was such that they, they just weren't getting a chance down there. But he also mentioned that uh, Nate and uh, Emmanuel both uh, were a little hindered by injury. So, mm-hmm. But it was weird. It did not – I hadn't thought too much about that aspect of this till just now, but it, it just looked like they could not um, – it wasn't a lot of imagination and maybe they were just stifled by what Georgia was producing. I, I just didn't think it did much to stretch Georgia. No, and they didn't, they didn't take Georgia out of their comfort zone at all. They didn't take any shots downfield. They didn't really, Emmanuel Hall's known for burning cornerbacks. They didn't even try to give him a chance for that. They, and they didn't get creative either. There was no trick play or there was no anything to really kind of throw them. I actually them. thought they might, uh, that first the field goal attempt, I really you might have heard me mutter. I think that they should fake or I'd watch out yeah. for the fake here. I, I thought they might do a few more aggressive things like that. That said, you know, going to the fourth quarter, they're, they're down 11, I guess. Was mm-hmm. it uh, was that what it was at the time? And yeah. One of the things that happened was the defense for sure kept them in the game in the first half. I mean, absolutely. They, they, they absolutely did. Offense and special teams uh, were, you know, were the leading tacklers for, for a little while. Actually, not tacklers because they, they, they didn't, didn't – Yeah. Uh, Stop the, yeah. the fumble six. Um, but then the defense couldn't quite stop him. One of the things that I thought was was killer for Missouri was at least twice. It might have been three times. I have to look at the box score. But Missouri kind of mounted a little drive, got back just just lurking just outside on the out, on the, in the darkness on the edge of town, and then smashed right back to Georgia with quick, you know, instant offense one way or another. And that I give credit to Missouri for – for hanging in there and, and still playing through that, I thought that was that was notable, but it wasn't enough to to make it close at the end. No, it was a weird game. I mean, they had a touchdown off Alfred Okubuwe-Winam's fumble, which was a catch. Looked like he was on his way down, and they called the play dead, and then they didn't call the play dead, and that was a touchdown. The blocked punt was just inexcusable. Uh, the missed field goal that looked good but wasn't really reviewed. It, it was just a bizarre game with how all the scoring happened. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and really, 
I hate the Sam Mellinger uses the term that, that you know talking about officiating is the ballot of the loser. And I, I do agree with that to a large extent. That said, some really weird stuff happened. I still want to see another five uh, angles on that field goal, but I think it was good. I thought it was good. I too. think it was good. And I would love to see the crane view yeah, from that. It, yeah. It looked like it was a little close to the line as it was going over, but I didn't think it had enough to, to call it. Well, the one replay I kept seeing, seeing looked, it didn't look like it was over the, the top of the uh, goalpost. It looked like it was well inside, you know, a foot or so inside. You know, it's a matter of interpretation on, on uh, Albert O's uh, fumble there. Yes. Albert makes the point, though, and it's the correct point. You've got to have all protection. You just, you, you know, you don't know what the officials are going to do. The other thing, too, it's I, I kind of mentioned it, and it does stand out. It appears reasonably possible that that, that ball was dropped before uh, – Holloman, was it? Uh, the uh, Who scored the long touchdown over here? Uh, 66-yarder. Oh, yeah. Nicole Holloman, yeah. Yeah. So, it you know, coin toss there. That was one, the NFL player, by the way, that famously pulled that. I think it was a cowboy, or was it? Uh, was, was it the Sean Super Bowl Jackson? one? Well, Deshaun Jackson did it. Yeah, and I think there was also some version of that with Leon Lett in the Super Bowl. But I think that was different. Yeah. I think he got stripped from behind. It wasn't yeah. really the same thing. Yeah. But the the point on that play is, okay, yeah, you'd be bothered by the call if it was wrong. I'm not even sure it was wrong, but the oddity of it is, it, it's not like. Um, the guy wasn't going to score a touchdown. I mean, it was, it's sort of just a loophole, right? I mean, it was a, a dopey thing and should be called back if it, if it wasn't. But it's not like Missouri was not beaten on the play. Yeah, you know, exactly, I mean, Missouri exactly. was beaten on the play. And so I, I don't know how to look at all those, but it just adds up to a really strange game. And to go back to the initial point, how do you come out of this game looking at Missouri? Do you think of Missouri is better than you thought Missouri was or not as good as you thought it, it was? It's tough to say because, you know, I think this was one game on the schedule that everyone thought they would lose but had the best chance to win with it being the most attractive home game. And to me, this just was a summary of the of Barry Odom's coaching tenure, not to, to knock him, but they were good enough to stay in the game, but they just, for whatever reason, were – they shot themselves in the foot and fundamental little things caused them from getting over that hump. And I mean, they're still three and one. They have a very winnable game after next, after this week at South Carolina uh, and the schedule, I mean, Tennessee and Arkansas don't look very good. They still look like they can definitely go to a bowl game and get at least eight, nine, 10 wins potentially. But this would have been a, the, the things that would have come out of this win. I mean, they win this game. They're ranked in the top 15 to 20 probably. Drew Locke is at the forefront of the highest yeah, race. Yeah. They this wasn't even a sellout, but it was close. Um, a home attendance, which has been an issue, probably isn't the rest of the year, or it, you see some sort of uptick. And then Barry's Barry's the, the, the talk cemented. about the talk about Barry getting fired is is completely gone for at least another year or two. So it is funny, by the way. Can I just interrupt the, that yeah. point, like? You know, I get that every one of these the teams in the nine-game winning streak is a team without a winning record. Wyoming, I guess, is two and two this year, but yeah. every other one is a losing record. But it's still a nine-game regular season winning streak, and we're talking about the guy getting fired, or, or at least we're talking about it right here. Mm-hmm. I don't see it that way anymore. Maybe I'm strong, and, and you know, I've kind of gotten into the uh, to the the Barry Kool Aid at this point. But I I I think. You see, again, in this matchup today, was, was Missouri physically overmatched? No. Were those coaching 
attributable mistakes. Well, everything in the end is goes back is, to goes back to that, point, right? Yeah. But that being said, I find it hard to blame a coach for that fumble. He's um, not the officials. And look, it's a bad snap on that punt that pulls that pulls that over. Boy, at yeah, I mean, in the end, it's a, you're accountable for your squad, but but I I don't think Missouri's being out coached exactly here, right? Uh, I mean, that's fair. I I agree with all that. I think, you know, the the attendance thing, which I don't, you know, attendance is down nationwide in college football. But I mean, Missouri is hurting as an athletic department financially. They have the South End Zone going up. the The ticket thing is absolutely a problem. I, I think I don't even know. Assuming that they do win enough games for Bear to keep his job, if the attendance continues to decline, I think that is a very big issue surrounding Missouri football going forward. But I, I agree with all your your comments on it. I, I just I think you know Gary Pinkle early on, even though he struggled to make a bowl game, he he did show flashes of being able to hang with top teams. I, I think he's going to have to do something at some point this year to show. And, and he's not beating Alabama. Pro- I mean, if that happens. Then you can redo what we said yeah, about the Heisman, re- you can, and you can and, reset every button yeah, that way, right? But but who's left on the schedule to make you go him going into year four next year? This is the guy long term. You know what I mean? He hasn't beaten. All right, he's won enough games to make a bowl game two years in a row, assuming they do this year. But he hasn't beaten the top team. He hasn't. You know, I don't even know if you'd call today a scare against Georgia. I mean, they they. Didn't make it as much of a game as they could have, for sure. Yeah. So I do think that there is some some addressing that needs to be there at some point. Well, look, that's a good point. At the same time, you can only play the teams on your schedule, and after Alabama, it, it's a little easier looking schedule for sure, right? Um, pretty much, could say those all should be winnable games. Doesn't mean they'll win them all. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I I think what we're both getting to the the common ground we might see on this is that the South Carolina game really matters. Yes, I think that's um, that would be and at least okay. in terms of perception again, right? Yes, it's, yeah. yes. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K State, and no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. It's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town, just $0.08 a day or $2.50 a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com slash SportsPass. talk about Drew Locke, I, we can pour one out for the Heisman campaign. I, I think this was his chance to get in the race, and yeah, that, and again, if they beat Alabama, then flush everything we said, but probably the worst game I've seen him play in a long time. Uh, ball security issues. A couple Wasn't fumbles. Even, yeah, couple and deflections, that, that those hurt, four or five yes, of those. He, the penalty, he didn't even address this in the post of the game, mm. but they have a chance to score before halftime. They're getting the ball back in the second half. Delay of game, 10-second runoff, and they just go in a halftime. 
what a way to to end the half. I mean, that was just awful clock management and just a, a bonehead move. I think at that point, I thought maybe they just said, we just need to regroup and just take a knee. Because that was right after the second fumble, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, and 15 NFL scouts here, John Lynch from the 49ers. I mean, and obviously Georgia had guys too. And my whole comment on Drew was if Drew was, you know, NFL scouts have said that this three-game stretch is really going to show right. what he's made of and, and to really see where he's at in the NFL draft. I mean, he's 0-for-1 so far. Well, look, and, go, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to say that, you know, I, I think the, the big thing is that the scouts have told me is that Missouri need to stay competitive today because of Drew Locke, and that wasn't a thing. And the question persists of him being able to handle top competition – going forward and I, I think even if they won today they probably would have you know he could have maybe taken a step back if he had a bad game against South Carolina but just this was a game they needed him to really kind of keep them up in and and there was nothing of that I, I know you've been talking to the NFL scouts but I, I will remind you that I don't think Patrick Mahomes had a you know great winning record at, at Tech right that's I mean, right I forget and, what his right it was like 11 I, and 15 I, as a star something, something like, like that, that. Yeah. so but that said what what and, and look, it's always been, I'd say, a long shot to think of Drew as a, as a Heisman candidate simply because it really, in a lot of ways, is a team award, right? I mean, it, it pretty They would have pretty needed nine wins, and, and that might not have even Nine, ten, it. eleven, right? Most of the yeah. time it ends up Nine's being something like, like the that. bare minimum. Yeah. yeah, and, I mean, if you just it, look at it, it almost always quite often comes down to the best player on the best team, right? So mm-hmm. that, that, that was going to be that was going to be tough from the start. But that said – we were talking about this informally before we got on. This is the day you want to see that guy bring something more out of his team, rise to a certain different level, and it just wasn't there. The flip side of that um, is that the receivers really weren't getting separation. I again, we have to study the tape to see, you know, if, if why they weren't trying to go deep a couple times just to just to shake things up, air it out, mm-hmm. spread it out. Um, you know. The, the interception was on a on a, a ball that should have been caught. Uh, a couple other balls that were dropped. I mean, it, it, his day could have looked a little bit different with a couple yes. things going differently. And the biggest point of all, I could be totally wrong about this, and we'll never know because we don't exist in an alternate reality, but if Albert doesn't fumble that ball, Drew's in a pretty nice rhythm on that first drive. I, I would I, agree. I, I, I like where, where that was going. And, um, again, it's it, sort of irrelevant because we we're not in that universe. But yeah. So I, I guess I find myself thinking, again, with the uh, completely overstated theme of the day that I'm trying to use, the Rorschach test, like, I had the beholder a little bit on this. Yeah. You know, I don't blame Drew for the loss, but I don't think Drew did something, you know, did that special thing you'd want out of that guy. I, I would agree. I, you know, I thought out of all the NFL prospects or the guys that really helped Missouri, I mean, Albert Okulibanam really recovered after the fumble. I mean – Leading receiver, 81 yards. He, he was very reliable downfield. And he looks like he's not going to be around next year. And Emmanuel Hall, you know who I'm starting? Emmanuel Hall started reminding me of was Jeremy Macklin. Talent's never been a question, but he gets banged up easily, it seems like, sometimes. And he he can disappear in a game. I mean, he's a 4-3-40 guy. And he should have, been, he should have known that Georgia was going to – Treat him differently after he had two touchdowns against them last year, and he really didn't do anything either. To kind of how many targets did he even have? I, I two, if two. I'm counting correctly, and, and they weren't long balls. Were no, they? yeah, no, they were they were short routes. It looked like so. So what I wonder, 
and we're, we may never know this, but maybe we won't go to the end of the season, is how banged up he is. I mean, he, he only played in that last series against Purdue last week. I don't yeah, know how much, after, how much did he practice this week. They had all said he played early on in the Purdue game, and then he was out right. from essentially like halfway through the For first quarter until the yeah. last series. Yeah. Uh, he said at practice this week he was fine and it seemed like he was going to be able to give it a go. And then Barry said he was banged up. So either did the groin tightness linger? Was it something else this time? And that kind of transitions into the, the bye week now. Missouri is a week before South Carolina. Uh, now they have two weeks essentially to get healthy and get Hall, all the other guys, Cam Hilton with a broken thumb, all taken care of, and then go win the other Columbia with, with I don't want to call it a must win, but I think in terms of perception and, and what they still want to do. Yeah. I think it's a must win in that sense. I'm with you on that. I'm trying to look up. Um, maybe somebody watching knows this. How uh, how that Carolina South Carolina bandy game finish up? Uh, I can check that real quick. I'll look right now. Yeah, let's see. Um, but I look. I thirty fourteen South Carolina's beaten Vanderbilt uh, five. So that's almost final. Yeah. So South Carolina will be two and one, potentially three and one when Missouri goes in there. Look, I mean, I just, I just figure this. Um, that's a winnable game. This, this was a, this was a different tier, right? You win this game, and now you're, you're in a national conversation a little yes. bit, right? Okay, we're back to reality. That, that didn't happen. It, it typically doesn't happen against number one or number two ranked team mm-hmm. at Missouri. In fact, I was looking through the record book today. It's, it's hard to find those. I think the last number two was Kansas in 2007. Yes, this would have been, I believe, their highest ranked win. It would have been their first win over a ranked team, as we said, from the 2014 season. Right. And last game of the 2014. And it would have been the first win against a team ranked this high since Oklahoma in 2010. Well, and that Oklahoma team was was that was number one in the BCS, I think, but not in the AP poll. That's that's yeah. you know that's a little logistical or semantics thing. I, it, the point is that right, that would have been the, the the better measuring stick, but it's rare, is the point. Yes, and um, so they didn't do that. But but let's just kind of get back to the, the the fundamentals here. If you're building a program, let's figure you got to go block by bro- block by block, brick by brick, and now you got to just start winning games against winning teams. And actually, South Carolina, I think it's just, is it one and two? No, it's two and one as of yeah. this one if it, if it holds on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a road win against a winning team that looks to me like it's uh, not superhuman. I mean, Georgia just ran all over these guys. Um, that, that, that's a, that's, that's a, a milestone game for Missouri. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. I think with this game had a chance to change the course of the season – and make it extraordinary instead of, you know, better than ordinary. I've, I've had better words before, but I a win, again, as we said, all bets are off as to what happens. But now, again, this was projected as a loss. They lost it. Still plenty of good. I, the defense, this was the first time since Barry Odom's been named head coach that this looked like a really good Barry Odom defense. I mean, they looked awful, all out of sorts last week, all access to the ball. They didn't have any sacks, but they, they were getting some pressure on Jake Fromm. Uh, I thought the secondary looked great. You know, that Christian Holmes pick was wasted. I mean, I thought they were going to win when he picked them off on the first. I, that, I thought that was the kind of thing they needed to really give them some momentum. And I thought the linebackers looked solid. 
it now just comes uh, again. You can only do so much against an attack like that with the amount of weapons they have. But they Missouri, Missouri could still win nine, ten games in the regular season. Uh, there just won't be anything that I, you know, assuming the other losses, bam, if they win ten games, it just won't be a loss you point to that set or a win you point to and say that that was really impressive. It, as you said, they just would have taken care of business essentially. Well, look, and here's here's the little thing, and sometimes these mean a lot, sometimes they don't, but. It, Again, pointing to South Carolina, you win that. All right, you got a little little oasis in the desert there, right, in between playing the number two and number one team in the country. Yeah. Probably you're not going to win at Alabama, but you're not losing three in a row, right? And mm-hmm. so you're, you're four and two, and you're thinking, well, we've beaten everybody that's not one or two in the country. You know, so mm-hmm. you, you, you think, you know, you feel a little, little okay about yourself. So let, let's see them get to that point. Actually, let's just see, let's just see this next game, you know. Why they play the game, survive in advance, just go on to the next. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they do at South Carolina. Nice. I guess I'm trying to think anything else we haven't touched on. Missouri basketball practice opens next week. Any good thoughts on that? No, just uh, you know, it, it, but we're now going from uh, one year flash to you know Conzo program, right? And yeah. uh, and look, I think they've got an intriguing team, but but. Let, let's see who's uh, who's there when it gets going and what, what they can make up for that they didn't have last year. And uh, I think MVP, John T. Porter, don't you? Yeah, my, my only thought I was going to touch on this is, first off, you know, they had, when we were covering their NCAA tournament game, they had eight guys because the bench got hit so much. I don't know if Conzo took that personally, but I was told before the game that they have almost 19 guys on the roster <laughs> counting walk-ons. Okay. And yes. two of those guys can't play this year in uh, – Mark Smith and Drew Smith, the two transfers, but still, I mean, the hell of a deep bench just in terms well, of bodies. I mean, what can they do? Well, better practices, I guess, is really you know, yeah. where that starts, right? Or yeah. that, that would be the thinking, depending on how good the walk-ons are. Yeah. But, I mean, that, yeah, that that's probably part of the point. Yeah, and my only other comment on them is that they have so many unknowns. I mean, Mitchell Smith hasn't played in a year. Uh They had K.J. Santos, Javon Pickett, some of their signees from junior college, and, and – Prep school both didn't play all last season. There's Jonte Porter. I think is the easy MVP pick because we just don't know what else they have right, right now. That's true. So that's true. So that's why I think it's going to be an interesting year because we don't know. We really don't have any idea what they're going to look like and who's going to be a factor until they hit the court. There's no. Last year was easy before Baxter. It was just Michael Porter and everybody yeah. else. This year it's just a giant question mark. It's like the Riddler. Uh, a little Batman reference. Oh, there, so. how about you pulling out the yeah, Batman before reference? Before we, uh, before we, leave. I would have preferred a Spider-Man reference, uh, just because, you know. But anyway, uh, you got a Chiefs pick for tomorrow, real quick. I asked yeah, uh, I think I said uh, on a, uh, a, a another podcast, thirty-four uh, twenty-four Chiefs. So I might as well try to stay consistent. Okay, so that'd be three and zero for in the yes, it would. There. Yes, it would. Before known the Pat Mahomes era, if you count as uh, last true, season, yeah, true. but in the true era, yeah. So look, I mean, I, I maybe the 49ers will have some uh, different answers from Mahomes, but I, but I think, uh, I think Andy Reid's going to be one step ahead of what the 49ers' answers are, and and I, I just so far uh, they've been able to just outscore the other guy, and um, maybe that'll change sometime. But right now, I like their chances of outscoring the other guy more than the other way around. It's that'll do it for us. Thank you for joining us. Next time we'll be coming at you. will be South Carolina. Sam Mellinger will be with me. So I'm playing you. I've had Blair. I've had you. We're playing musical uh, columnists. We're so a perfect show. Yeah. Yeah. Bring us in. Yeah. <laughs> at least we're not in Kramer's living. <laughs> See you guys. See y'all.